CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Thanks for listening to this Institute of Art and Ideas podcast, bringing you philosophy for our times. Here at the IAI, we're committed to taking philosophy out of dusty books and lecture halls and into the heart of public life. If you enjoy this debate and want to carry on the discussion, or watch over a thousand more debates and talks on all the latest issues in philosophy, science, politics and arts, visit iai.tv. Remember to subscribe and review on iTunes. Thank you, everybody, for coming along uh, to this, this Huffington Post-sponsored event, which is the, the company I work for, and I hope you all, all read that website as much as you can. Uh, we all want news to accurately reflect the world that we live in, uh, but with so many different publishers, with so many different opinions, should we recognise that goal as a complete illusion? Is it, in fact, the journalists who set the agenda with their own fictions and fantasies, these guys, or should we demand a more objective framework? We're going to have three minutes from each of the speakers here today. They're going to take us through their thoughts, um, I thought we'd kick off with Jonathan Calvert here. Objective reporting can be both dull and confusing. I mean, if you can, ima if you can imagine um, a news report in which you verify 10 facts um, and just stick it into a newspaper and just say to the readers, well, you, you tell, tell us why it's relevant, what, what it's doing in the newspaper, then you'd, uh, you'd think, well, that's completely pointless. So, so journalists have to have values. We have to, we have to put the facts in a certain order. We do... Uh, add interpretation, we do make arguments, and that's quite important in terms, of, in terms of how we tell our stories. And I think sort of true objectivity as a journalist is, is quite a difficult thing anyway, because I think we all, we all approach this with our own background, our own training, our own experience, our own prejudices, our own politics. Um, and I think, that I think that readers understand that. And I think that readers understand that, you know, that journalism is both about setting agendas, just as it's also about reporting things, things that things that have happened, um, you know, I'm, I'm an investigative journalist. I, I would say to you in one of my less thoughtful moments that um, my articles are completely straight. There's no comment in them what's whatsoever. But the mere fact that I've chosen that subject, the mere fact that I've chosen to argue it in this particular way, you know, there is a comment in that, and the comment is, you know, sit up and take notice because. We think this is wrong. Sh should, we, should we leave it there? Because I think yeah. you put some really good points across. And we're going to move on to John here. I think might have some, some slightly different views there, possibly. Well, I, uh, thank you. It, it's more a question of degree. I think that, that objective journalism or neutral journalism, actually I don't think there's much difference in effect between the two. All journalism, or nearly all journalism, tells a story. We, call, we as journalists call them stories. I'm doing a story on. And they are stories. They're stories in the same way as uh, novels and short stories are stories. But they're not fiction. They are an attempt to make sense in a narrative, in a narrative form of current events, to take a series of current events and make them into a narrative form. I would say that what 
objective or neutral journalism, or even more importantly, public service journalism, what is, which is what <coughs> public service broadcasters do, or try to do, like the BBC, which is still the kind of the globe, the world standard in this, is to, is to report in good faith. The good faith is that you will tell the truth and that you will give opposite points of view and you will attempt for, you will try for balance and neutrality. It is perfectly true, as Jonathan suggests, that that isn't achievable. But it's a bit like the Holy Grail. You're never going to get it, but it's out there and it, it makes you act virtuously. You have to be a virtuous knight in order to get it. You have to be a virtuous journalist in order to get at something like the truth. And you can usually tell, as a reader or a viewer, you can usually tell when an attempt to get at the truth is, in, is made in good faith or is not. And I would uh, give an example. Uh, the BBC, I think, does attempt, for all that it gets um, battered by accusations of bias on the left and bias on the right, does attempt to tell stories in good faith. That is, it puts out a series of facts in a narrative form, both in broadcast and on its website, which are designed to give the reader or the viewer a sense of what's going on. The facts, the who, what, where, when, why facts, which are the basis of what you learn when you become a journalist, which are always important, so important that people almost cease to, uh, to, to notice them, but also a, a context within which it lives. Uh, and um, people of the right or the left, people of various opinions, can usually judge that this is something like the fact. Russia Today, which is the, um, the international arm of the uh, Russian television, Russian state television, is not reporting in good faith, which isn't to say that some of what it broadcasts is not true. It, so a lot of it is true. And, of course, it films things and shows things, and, and the camera doesn't lie. Uh, well, of course, the camera can lie, but, but you see things, as you see things in the BBC or anything else, in front of you, and that and you make up your own mind about it, but it's, it's got, its underpinning is propagandist. Its underpinning is to say, one, Russia is great again, and two, the fact that it wasn't great for the last 20 years has been the fault of the West. And that, these two imperatives, which run through what Russia today does and how it broadcasts, uh, mean that what it puts out is, uh, in the end, in service to these underlying these underlying imperatives, the things which editors and reporters have to bear in mind when they're writing and broadcasting. That's fantastic, John. Thank you. And, and Hilary, fi final opinion here. Well, I, um, I agree with some of the things that have been said here, but I, I'm going to uh, make a claim which will hopefully put some cats in amongst the pigeons. Um, I, I, I think the idea of objective journalism or neutral journalism is a fantasy and I think it's a fantasy that is propounded by the public, by politicians, and sometimes by journalists. And uh, why do I think it's a fantasy? Well, just in an overall sense, it's 150 years since Matthew Arnold wrote you know, this famous poem, Dover Beach, in which he talked about the retreating roar of the tide of Sea of Faith. And actually, I think now, 150 years on, we can see it, it was not just the retreating roar of the sea of faith. 
it was the beginnings of the retreat from uh, truth. And it started with religious truths, and then there were moral truths, and then along came anthropologists, and it became, we became aware of cultural differences between different societies. We became aware through philosophers of the differences between language and the extent to which language determined our world. And uh, latterly, uh, you know, post-war, it, it, it started to impinge on science as well, where people started talking about paradigms. Facts became theory-dependent, and, and uh, even Stephen Hawking is now moving moved away from a claim about the nature of the universe to claims about physics models. So the idea that you might be able to say how it is, I think, has been, the tide has been going out on this for 150 years, and I can't see any reason why journalists should be able to get somewhere when sociologists, theologians, philosophers, uh, and indeed scientists have failed to do it. So I think the idea that objective truth is just lying around, you come along and it's just sort of sitting there for you just note it down with some facts, is of course an illusion. You create those by the frame that you put them in and what you do with it. But I don't think that then means that anything goes. And instead of objective truth, it seems to me that, that I want to propose a different notion of what journalists might do. And uh, uh, goal. And that is, I think journalists need integrity. It's a very old-fashioned phrase, a uh, word, I should say. And, um, but I want to use it in the sense of, th I think its original meaning, which is from integral, meaning one. So integrity is about being one. And I think that the reason why that's a goal is I think what we want from journalists is that they hold what they say as as a whole, for themselves, that they think this. They think this, they've done their best, they've tried to do it as well as they can, they've tried to put together a, a, an account. It is a story, it is a way of holding the world, it's not the objective truth. They um, are pulling together all of the, what they see as the facts within that frame, and they need to be constrained by that. And I think a lot of the time, we want to encourage journalists to get out of the group think of their organizations, out of the groupthink of the, the people they work for, out of the groupthink of the society they find themselves in, and be themselves and have the integrity to think through their particular take on the world, their particular way of holding it, so they might be able to change it for the better. But I don't think that we should engage with the idea of the fantasy of objective truth. And unfortunately, it's written into our laws in the nation of neutrality and impartiality. I think it's all nonsense. There isn't such a thing. Um, and instead, we should try and get what, what I think we can get hold of, and that's a notion of integrity. The debate. Theme one. Thank you very much, Hilary. That's very, very interesting views. So... Like all the, all the people in the audience here, we click on media that we want to read, things that often share our values. Um, and I guess the question I've got, probably possibly for you, John, first of all, is can the news be objective? And actually, do we even really want it to be? Yeah, I think we both do and don't. I think we both want the... I mean, clearly you want the news to serve your particular prejudices or, or you know, or what you wish to happen. But if you are living, I think, if you are a citizen of a liberal democracy, you get used to the fact to the fact that the facts are very often not what you wish them to be and that they can't be or are not twisted in order to satisfy what you want. I lived for quite a few years in Russia because I was correspondent there uh, in Moscow at the time when it shifted from the Soviet Union, when the Soviet Union collapsed and Russia was the successor state to the Soviet Union, there were 14 other Soviet states and 
friends who were Soviet Russian journalists you could see them move out gladly in the most cases not for the older ones but certainly for the younger ones they could move out from um, a system in which they had to write to order the order being that of the Communist Party they had to give an account insofar as they did give any accounts at all because much of it was written for them by the Central Committee of the Communist Party um, which accorded with what the powers that be said and that and then you could see them groping for some way of telling what they wished to tell which they wished to tell the truth and that come that, that that comes to your point Hillary and that is what then is the individual, the, in, the integral individual? What does he or she think, which is separate from the influences that they've had from their, their education, from the society in which they live, from the kind of um, ideology which they've, they've breathed, or in the case of many of my colleagues in Russia, rejected. Um, it's an amalgam. What gives the, I think, the journalist real integrity and real dignity in doing a good job is this attempt to come to terms with both his or her prejudices and instead try to serve a goal which you will reject the, the notion of the truth but which serves the goal of uh, trying to get down something which accords with the, with the events which they've learned about or listened to or have been told about, or seen for that matter. Something which accords to um, uh, a sense that something has happened and we can describe it. And something important has happened that we can describe it. Never getting away from the framework of ideology and opinion, but always trying to do so in order to reach out to an audience which you connect with which you connect through a medium which I would call something like a framework of a sketch of the truth. What's your view on that, Hillary? I mean well, I, I, think, I think the thing is that the reason why this argument is tricky is because it always appears that the facts, it's clear what a fact is. And you know, if you're reading the football results, you, you have the appearance of there's a fact. You know, there's, you know Li Liverpool won, Chelsea nil. That's an unlikely uh, outcome. Um, <laughs> and, 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 um, uh, 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 and so within a frame of reference, uh, there are things which are we can largely regard as being facts. I mean, if, if I was pushed to the limit, I would say even those we can challenge, because one side can say, well, actually, we were robbed. The, the, the other side really won. Um, so there's always a way of somehow even getting around something that seems to be absolutely black and white. But to go back to your Soviet example, if you were in the Soviet Union, you were a journalist in the Soviet Union, I think you'd behave very much like the BBC. You would, you would, uh, you would adopt the institutional uh, values of your organizations in your society. If you were in, in 1970s uh, Soviet Russia, you would adopt the um, framework of the things you had grown up with and lived with, the, the organizations you work for, the party you worked alongside. You believed this stuff uh, largely. And, and although there would no doubt some people who thought, no, this is not true, and, and they wanted to propose a different story, there were also a, a huge number of people who were genuinely believing what they were doing and genuinely think that's the case, just as there are a lot of people in the BBC now who believe that what they're doing is genuinely telling you what's going on in the world, genuinely telling you about the news. But in the same sort of way, they are part of their, our current cultural groupthink and it seemed to me one of the key things that journalism should be doing is puncturing that groupthink 
proposing things which are different, which are different ways of holding the world, which are challenges to the norm. And instead of this sort of neutrality, which in a way holds us all to uh, saying roughly the same sort of thing and arguing over some rather minor issues about facts, um, uh, we should be trying to get in there and, and challenge the big differences. That's the relativism, relativism too far for me. The difference is that, that for Soviet journalism, certainly in its peak, say in its Stalinist peak, it got a little soft towards the Gorbachev end. The, 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 the journalist was faced with a series of orders, either implicit or explicit, which he or she had to, had to internalize. That was that's that much of what came down of a day, if you were in a daily paper, was had to go in. If the general secretary made a speech, it went in in full. If someone had been shown to be um, disliked by the Communist Party, say for corruption, you would do a story which would be largely written for you, or at least the facts would be given to you, that he was corrupt because he was about to be fired. The fact that you, you, you may have thought he wasn't, or that it was exaggerated, or indeed that he was, didn't count. The BBC, like other Western um, newspapers and, and broadcast organizations has within it uh, a discipline, a system whereby reporters and editors are tasked with finding out what actually happened. And even if what happened was not good for Britain or for the BBC or whatever it might be, that's the truth. That's what they've found out to be. That's what they're putting their reputation, their name, their face, their voice on television behind. In other words, it's devolved down to the individual reporter, usually, tasked with putting out something which he or she has th thought to be the truth. That, that's th that's the, the, the major difference between the two But, but let me give you a specific example then for, that I was involved in, I'm afraid, so, so apologies for the subjective quality of my response. Um, I remember being in Afghanistan at the time that the, um, the Americans were supporting the Mujahideen, and the story at the time, of course, was that the Americans were uh, on the side of <laughs> truth and right and, and trying to rid Afghanistan of an appalling uh, communist uh, government. Well, we all know the outcome of that, that, that case, which is actually they were, they were, they were not, not you know, on the side of good at all. They were actually arming a whole series of people that we now regard as being the devil, in, the devil incarnate. Now, I at the time tried to tell the story which has just turned out to be the case. I remember doing a piece of camera saying, you know, I think we'll be on the other side. I think we'll be with the Russians against these people. At the time, that was not the story to be telling. And there was trouble. I mean, I, I was with Channel 4. They said, well, what is this story? You know, this is, what are you doing, Hillary? That is the nature of groupthink. And it was widespread across the whole of the Western media. And it's hard to break out of that. You've got to, you've got to think, no, I think there's a different account of what's going on here. I think this is different. You've got to fight the um, organization and the culture and all of those sorts of things to try and do it. And that's the sort of journalism I think we should be trying to support. Do you want to hear more from the world's leading thinkers? If the answer to that question is yes, subscribe to iai.tv for unlimited access to thousands of debates, talks, articles, academy courses and live events. Are you bored of the surface level news, politics, sports and entertainment coverage on your newsfeed? Go deeper, get the philosophy behind the news and get the latest big ideas from the world's leading thinkers on subjects at the core of the human condition, life, the universe and everything in between. 
It's free for the first month, and there's no commitment to pay, so subscribe now to understand the world beyond the surface level. Theme 2 do you, do you think there's a case that you're, as a journalist, as part of the, the journalistic class, you're presenting the facts as absolute, you're saying what you think the truth is, and you're setting the agenda. Do you, do you think journalists set the world agenda? From what you, from what you just said, you probably do. Oh, no, I mean, look, I mean, uh, that would be uh, journalistic megalomania. You know, I, I, journalists play a part in changing how we think about things. They play, I think, an important part, but they're... You know, lots of other institutions who play a very important part in determining, determining what the what, what, what how how we see the world. I, I mean, I mean, I'm quite interested in that. Who who does set that agenda? Is, is it journalists? Is it you? Wake up one day and think, I tell you what, I'm going to go and in investigate certain, In certain things, certain journalists do um, set the agenda, but we don't in everything by a long, long way. Most of the world's agenda is set by our political leaders or or by movements of people or all sorts of things. I mean, and, and mostly journalism is reflective of um, of what is happening rather than uh, the other way around on specific issues we may f we may come across things that we feel are wrong in our society and then we expose them but then but that that's where we set the agenda but you know in the broad sweep we don't uh, and it would be we wouldn't want wish to claim we did and we wouldn't wish to do it I don't think yeah and what, and what about owners and editors um, I know the Sunday Times is probably an unfair question but <laughs> well I mean the you know, the owners are, are people who have their own political point of view. It depends on whether it, it transfers to your journalists. I mean, I, I work for, a, for a, a, a newspaper, the Sunday Times, where I've, I've never felt any proprietal um, influence on me. And, uh, you know, people will say, oh, well, maybe it's sort of subliminal. Maybe it is subliminal. I don't know. But certainly there is no direct uh, influence. And, we're and uh, if anything, one of the great things about working for the Sunday Times is we have a freedom to go after whatever we wish. And there is no, there are, there are no um, bars on what we can cover and what we can't cover. I think the proprietor thing is, is very important because journalism is always, and this in a sense plays to Hillary's position, it always is a compromise. Whoever owns you, whether it's the state or a party or more often a, a private individual or a company or a corporation, uh, he or she will have in the end their way. In, if you're lucky, like say in the FT, which I worked for for much of my life, Pearson chooses the editor and then retreats. Um, uh, and the assumption is that the paper will be accurate because accuracy is what sells it. Uh, if you're say an, an Indian journalist um, on, a, on an Indian TV channel or a newspaper, your proprietor who uses it as not so much as a, as a means of getting profit because there isn't much profit, uh, there's losses in, in Indian TV channels, in order to have a leverage over the, the government, um, uh, in order to uh, have, a, uh, have a voice which can be for or against the government, in order to influence the government in, in terms of contracts. And you must follow that line. You must, otherwise you're, you're fired. The same went for, um, for Soviet journalists, now does, alas, for Chinese journalists. The owner always, whatever kind of owner it is, always in the end has the final say and sometimes has the first say. So, and we in journalism tend to forget about the owner. <laughs> you kind of imbibe it. You, you, you know, you, when you join a paper, you're if you're a bit raw and young and you're just beginning, you're taken to the pub by an old hand and told the, told the, the hard facts of life about your paper. And after that, you, can, you, 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 know, you, you pick it up.
um, but the owner is always important. I think the idea that, that no, I, what I think is the fantasy is that journalists are able to uncover the objective truth. Um, whether they set the agenda or not is a completely separate issue, and that, that's just a judgment about, as I say, the politics of the UK or whatever country it is. I mean, no doubt journalists are, are, are influential. Um, just how influential they are, I don't have particularly strong views about, I, I guess. You know, maybe they are, maybe, you know, I don't know. Um, but I think the question of what, what, can, what can journalists actually do is the issue and uh, and what does what does the journalism achieve and i don't think it uncovers what is somehow is just uh, it's not a mirror to the world and i don't think as a as the as a sort of public consumer of it we should expect that of journalists we shouldn't i mean people frequently read the read whatever paper it is they happen to like because it accords with their views and they say that other paper is you know wild and biased and whatever as if this one is the true version. I think you've just got to give up on this idea that there is a, 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 a true version. There is a sort of newspaper which would just tell it neutrally. And, and the, the ones that are supposedly um, dull and, uh, and uh, you know, factual and neutral are no less in their own ways biased by the sort of agenda they're choosing, by the way in which the stories are written, by the frame w in which they're approaching it. But I think I think the example you gave earlier of of you and actually you weren't alone. There was Kate Clark who who was in Afghanistan at the time who did the same thing, and one or two others. But you're right. They, I'm sure you're right. I can't remember it. But the the, the, the dominant narrative was we've we've pushed out the communists and now it's going to be fine. Um, uh, and of course it wasn't. And th that you should say so. You, clearly you were proved right. It, it wasn't going to be fine. Um, but that does seems to me show that the, that the that the liberal conception of journalism, that is, that a reporter will be able to find out the truth, uh, works. In this case, you were a minority. After a while, you became the majority. You, not you, but the, the journalists then realised that this was not going to be the case. In the in the the the, the journalism which you you make as an equivalence with that, that would have simply been impossible until the line changed. The journalist line could not change. So you, even if, if you were a minority, you were able to insert into the debate, the conversation, the, into, the, into the narratives, a narrative which went against it and which proved ultimately to be right. Sometimes minorities are quite wrong. But in your case, you were right. You saw it clearly that this was going to be a disaster, and it was. So the liberal conception of journalism has a space for that the authoritarian conception of journalism, which actually is strengthening in China, in Russia, in the Middle East, especially in, in Egypt and elsewhere, doesn't have a sense of that. So that you c I, that's why I would reject an equivalence between the liberal conception of journalism, for all its many faults and the things it gets wrong, and the authoritarian form of journalism. And I would uh, let me say, I, I, I would agree that, of course, there is a difference between being told to, to write something and having to write that and being in a situation where you can, uh, within certain guidelines and encouragements and knowing what's likely to go down well with your editor and all of those sorts of things, uh, choose to write a story which is, is somehow yours. And, uh, and I'm, of course, I'm in favour of the liberal version of that as opposed to the totalitarian one. But, I'm, but I think that the liberal version doesn't therefore mean that we 
uh, the, the, within that framework that the journalist is able then to get at the fact because all of those social structures, all of those, you know, both the immediate organisation, the cultural situation uh, and so forth uh, result in similar stories being told across the whole board and they're not, <laughs> they're not, they're, they're not the objective truth, you know, they're, they're something else other than that. And I think if we're, if, if, if we're taking the gold standard as being objective, the problem with being objective, and I think a, you, a lot of the BBC journalists would say this of it, is that what happens is, is that you water down the truth. Because you're constantly having to say, this person says that, this person says that. And even though the journalists might actually believe one version quite clearly based on their experience, based on all the work they've done, they still have to balance it out to the point where it actually becomes meaningless. And so therefore you can't challenge authority, you can't change thinking because all what you're doing is you're, you're balancing it out too much, which is why I think you do need to have interpretation and, um, yes. and values on I top of it. I indeed, and I, I think that is exactly the point, which is why I made the parallel between the BBC and the sort of Soviet uh, TV, Stalinist TV, is that the idea that impartiality means you balance out your views means you just reflect the norm. Yeah. So if you did the same thing in Soviet Russia in the 19, you know, 50s or something. It wouldn't you be would another side. <laughs> you, 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 no, no, but you could balance it out. You'd have to have somebody from the party and you'd have somebody from the managerial class and you'd have somebody from another organisation. You'd have these different things and you'd say, well, I've just, we've just been impartial here. And in fact, impartiality seems to me deeply conservative because what it does is it just entrenches all of those standard views within the notion that actually there's disagreement here. But there isn't really disagreement. It's just there's a frame that maybe there's a disagreement over some bits of fact. But the overall frame, and I agree with you entirely, it seems to me what the journalist has to do is no, they've got to go for it and go for this, go for a line that they believe in, that they think that they can make a good case for and make that case and make it powerfully and strongly. And then it's up, for, up to everyone else. Do, do I think this is a good version of the case? Is this a good way to look at it? Is this a way that we should go about it? You're, you're stubbornly attached to the Soviet model of journalism. If you've got these three people, the, the party man, the manager, and say, the intellectual, they would all say the same thing. The fact that you'd, you'd got three different people. You might then go to the gulag and ask a Solzhenitsyn type, what do you think? Well, of course, you wouldn't. Uh, or if you ask somebody, a citizen, who was who certainly in the high Stalinist period and actually right up to Gorbachev, what they thought, um, and they they thought this, and they said this is a bloody awful system, and the West is much better. Goodbye. So that that's the difference. That that within that framework there was an impossibility of somebody giving a minority view. Actually, it became the majority view. In our in our system, in the liberal system, there is that possibility. Indeed, more than possibility, it's actually it, it's actually privileged. And, and the thing about he said, she said, I mean, there's a big, as you know, there's a, a big debate about that in American journalism now, and, and hopefully will be here. That is, it, indeed, as, as, as both of you are saying, it does tend to be bland. Mm. And it, it, so what the, the reporter should be, and this is what they're after, Bill Keller, of the, who was there for the New York Times until recently, championed this, that you're not there to say uh, th 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 this this person who saw it and who's rational says this and this lunatic says that and you put them on together what you do as a reporter is try to find out the truth and you will of course say that somebody else says something else but but after you've tried yourself by uh, by interview by reading by observation you t 
to get something which you can say, I think this is the case. This is the case as far as my investigations can go. However, there are dissenters to that. So do you think that Al Jazeera, for example, did provided uh, an alternative perspective when it first appeared? Yeah. Well, it and was that perspective different from the... It was Fr from, from the BBC. It was, yeah, because it, I mean, it, it depended. Yeah, it was. And and, and uh, why wasn't point. that reflected in the in the version that you previously had? Of well, in this nice liberal agenda, you know, we we convey all the different views, and because we don't, well, we don't convey all of these different we views. What we do all. is we convey the ones which fit in with our nice, uh, you know, s sort of centrist liberal agenda. We like all of those, and we. We propound those and so forth, and we think that they're a good thing. Yeah. And, 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 and we don't have, you know, we don't have people who think that it would be uh, a, a good thing to um, you know, attack the twin towers. Of course, we don't. But that is a perspective. Well That's we all do. I'm saying. We it do. is a we perspective. Hillary, I'm just going to go to the button because we are running a little no, bit right, short yeah. time. Just <laughs> with, I know so you're all talking about journalism in a very traditional sense, possibly old-fashioned sense. You know, the f what's the future of news going to look like? With people who just want to put their opinion up, it's going to get read on Facebook. It's going to get read on Twitter. We see it happening today. Aren't we? Look, aren't you looking at, at news in a very old-fashioned and outdated way? I'm gonna, and we're going to have to be very quick on this. Sorry. There's going to be a lot more niche journalism, a lot more journalism which goes into certain areas. And indeed, the paper I've been on for much of my life, the VFT, is already in that niche and, and is benefiting from it and has benefited from it. But you're going to get many more. Everything will go on the web. Uh, not many will remain on, on newsprint, on, on paper. And you'll get speciality journalism. Really, I mean, in, in America especially, but also in Europe and elsewhere, increasingly, there are websites and blogs. Which are which serve particular interests or serve a particular kind of demand, a demand for investigative journalism. There are now a number of, of not-for-profit sites like ProPublica in the U.S., which which do nothing but that. There are sites like 538. Ezra Klein's is a site which is all about putting things in context. Here's the story. Here's the context. There's a, st a story that Keller began on called the Marshall Project on the um, on the American justice system. You're going to get increasingly now. What you've got, the, uh, the ability of the internet, is to give you speciality journalism. It's paying for it that's the problem. Okay, I think we're uh, about to wrap up. Uh, thanks to the panel and thanks to you guys. Thank you for listening to this Institute of Art and Ideas podcast. If you enjoyed this debate and want to carry on the discussion, visit iai.tv. Remember to subscribe and review on iTunes. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.